Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. You know, one of our ambitions here at Viewpoint is to help people see their world from heaven's view. It's easy sometimes to get lost in the weeds when you're just going through life day by day, and you don't have a chance to step back and look at the big picture. But we understand that there is a God who knows exactly who we are, where we've been, and where we can go. And knowing everything about us, he loves us anyway, and he has a big picture of us. And today on Viewpoint, I want to introduce you to a friend, a brother, a guy whose life is fascinating, as is everyone's, but he's learned to be able to see his life through that frame of heaven, to see himself as God sees him, and to see his life trajectory as God would hope it to be. My guest today on Viewpoint is Tim Lusitana, and we are so glad to have you with us, Tim. Now, Tim, you're a pastor. Yes. And where do you live? Decatur, Illinois. What's the name of that tribe, that congregation you lead? Life Builders Church of God. Life Builders. Now, there's a name. Where does that name come from? It comes from uh, the idea that uh, uh, we as a church are, um, first of all, being built upon Jesus being the cornerstone, and in that we're all living stones. And so this idea of being living stones, we get the word life from living, and then stones, we get builders. So. And builders. And when you're in the building process, you're always growing and changing and becoming. And I'm guessing that's part of the theme of the ministry there. Yeah, and we get past this idea of, of it just being a building, because a building gets built and usually doesn't get built much more. But the church is unique in that it's a building that keeps on building. It and never Tim, stops. And Tim, I'm so proud to have you with us today because I know something of your ministry. It's been my privilege to be a guest there. I've had a chance to address your people. So excited about what the Lord is doing by your hand and with the people who work alongside. But today, I want to talk a little bit about your story because everybody has a story. And yours is one that has captured my attention. And uh, Tim, how old are you, if I might ask? I'm 43. Oh, to be young again, 43. <laughs> and you and your wife have just started a new adventure. Yes. Because you do not have children of your own. No, sir. But you've opened the door of your house to what? To foster care. Wow. And so foster care is a fabulous way in which you can give back into life, and it's a way in which you also can draw life, because when you give, you receive. And so, Tim, tell me, who's in your house right now with you and your wife? Well, just a few days ago, we got a one-and-a-half-year-old little girl. And you're having a good time? Oh, man, I'm having a great time. <laughs> and my guess is she's having a great time, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I am uh, fell in love with the idea of fostering, first of all, because I wanted to help a child out, but then going through all the classes and the training, I learned it was deeper than that, and I learned that it's not just about helping a child, but it's about restoring a family. And, you know, through being a minister and, and I get the chance to work with families all the time already being a pastor, I got more excited about foster care. And you don't know how long this little precious child will be in your care, but for now, she's in your house and you have a chance to love her and to care for her and to bring life into her world. Yeah, her, her parents still want a relationship with her and they're working on that right now, which is, I think, is great. And um, so we're careful not to use the words like mama and dad. Dada. So um, my nickname is Bamba, so I'm trying to get her to call me Bamba. And my wife has a nickname Juju, so we're trying to be Bamba and Juju to her. <laughs> All right, Bamba and Juju. And that's a great segue into your own story. Okay. Uh, not your story so much of what you're doing right now, but how you got to where you are now. So let's go back to La Bamba. Okay. Where, where did that come from? Well, um, it came from Springfield, Illinois. I was a teenager. And I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved from there to Alaska. 
And then when I was seven, we went to Las Vegas. My parents split up when I was 15, and I flew to Springfield and lived in Springfield. And um, my dad is Mexican, and my mom is Caucasian. But in Springfield, Illinois, before all the Mexican restaurants popped up around everywhere, um, I was only the Mexican, only Mexican in high school. So they started calling me La Bamba because back in the 80s, the song had gotten real popular. <laughs> and the movie yeah. uh, with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips had, had just recently come out and all that, or had come out a few years before. So I became, they started calling me La Bamba on the football team. And pretty soon uh, it was just, they dropped the law, and now it's just Bamba. <laughs> and so Bamba, uh, that's a... a a nod, you might say, to your Mexican heritage. Yes. Uh, but your last name is not Mexican. It's Italian. Yes, sir. Lusitana. So, I mean, how does that work together? Where did that come from? Well, my, my dad was born born in Mexico, but uh, his uh, mother couldn't take care of him, and he was adopted into the United States when he was 11. 11 years old. I mean, so he lived a long time in Mexico. Yes. And yes. then was adopted into the States. He didn't know any English except for shoeshine, 10 cents, mister. Huh? Uh, that was it, because he shined shoes on the streets of Tijuana and did all other kinds of things to hustle money for the family. And then he had, uh, was adopted by the Lusitanas, where my, my adoptive grandparents, uh, the, my grandfather, Leo, was Italian, and Olga was German. And they were senior citizens, and they couldn't adopt children in the United States because of their age. They had foster care also, so I'm kind of proud to be carrying on that legacy, too. Absolutely. And um, they wanted their own children, and so they adopted my My dad has 12 brothers and sisters, and um, two of his sisters went with the Lusitanas. And so you have this Italian-German heritage from the <laughs> Lusitanas. Yeah. Your dad is uh, fully Mexican in the way in which he was born and raised up. Your yeah. mom grew up in the States and in traditional white culture, you might say. Oh, yeah. And so you have a lot of threads weaving together to make your tapestry. Oh, yeah. It really helps me uh, to understand the idea of, of Jesus being Emmanuel, um, because I used to like question, like, you know, what part of me was Mexican? What part of me was Caucasian? Because when I'm the Mexican side, I was kind of part of the it was more like I was the white guy, and then when I'm in the white side, I'm more like the uh, the Mexican guy. And and uh, um, a person changed my life and, and helped me to identify who I am. And his name was Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods was asked a question. I remember watching this on TV. He was asked a question: Is he is he uh, African American or is he Asian? And he said something that revolutionized me and helped me out a whole lot. He said he was both. And so when I from that experience, as I'm preaching or teaching, and you know, of course, I just got this finite mind trying to explain an infinite God, and he talks about him being God with us, for the best way for me to explain it is I see God being both, 100% man, 100% God, having, uh, being able to step in both arenas effortlessly, and uh, being able to understand and then communicate, being the mediator, so sometimes I can, you know, communicate, hey, this is how this culture goes here, and then it, it opens up my mind to other cultures because I'm fascinated by how people think and what makes them act the way they act. Mama looks like coffee, daddy looks like cream. Baby is a mocha drop American dream. All the colors of the rainbow are in a family tree. Woven all together in a paisley tapestry. She holds real tightly to her parents' hands. Baby loves that woman, baby loves that man, and her so 
Tim Lusitana. This is a guy who grew up in Springfield, Illinois as a teenager where he got this nickname because he has strong Mexican heritage, but also a strong Italian heritage, some German mixed up in that, and some, shall we say, ordinary uh, white American mixed up in that. And all of these threads come together to form you, and you found yourself at ease in your own skin. But I have to ask, uh, as you were growing up in central Illinois, a place which was not ethnically diverse as you were growing up. Did you find that challenging in any way? Were there times when you wondered, what am I doing here? Um, yeah, I wondered why I was doing there because I'd never lived in a culture like Springfield, Illinois. I'd always been close to a big, most of my life been in a big city like Las Vegas. So that was, that was a little different. But I will say this, I found it like in Springfield where there was a black community and a white community. And sometimes I felt like I was the bridge between that too sometimes. And um, growing up, raised on hip hop, but also loving, like my father, loving country music. And so it's it's all these things just begin to swim in my head. And, and I just, I do my best to try to not judge things, but appreciate the talent of wherever it is. And, and I find that a lot of fun and fascinating. It doesn't always have to be an either or. No. Sometimes it can be an and. Yes. And uh, as you have learned about that and learned about yourself, you found your way into the Christian ministry. How did that happen? Or maybe better I should ask, how did you intersect with Jesus? What happened there? Well, I, I said before that my parents split up when I was 15, and you know we had uh, some issues at home and, and seen some things that you know some people should never see. But, but there's a lot of love for my family, but it was some hard times, and and um, I've always had a faith. I was, uh, you know, uh, my mom led me to Jesus when I was eight years old. I gave Jesus in my heart. But, you know, things happen. And, and when my parents split up, I, I really blame God and really question his, his existence. I remember being in that airplane from Las Vegas to Springfield wondering if there was a God. But I always loved church. My mom never had to force me to go to church. Had a really cool youth pastor in Springfield. So I had a strong youth ministry. Loved going to all those things. And um, I'd gone to camp before about west, but in central Illinois, I got to go to this place called Camp Warren, and um, we were in a small building. There was probably only about 15 or 20 of us campers, and this preacher got up, and he started talking about how uh, the one thing keeping him away uh, from God was his hatred towards his father, which I had that same hatred, and um, he said the only thing that could help him stop that was asking Jesus into his heart, and so, man, I got down on the altar, and I asked Jesus in my heart, and and it wasn't like some big explosion went off or anything, but I, I was sincere about it. I meant it. I meant it. If, if, you will, if you will come to my heart and teach me how to love my dad, I invite you in. And then about a year later, I was graduating, and my dad came back from my graduation, and, and um, I could look at my dad and say for the first time in a long time, I should say, in a long time that I loved him. And I knew then that, that I had a transformation. Because that's not something you could have said a year before. No. No. And so really a supernatural work inside of you to bring peace oh, in yeah. a primary relationship with someone that you had deep, deep anger about. And that began a journey which has uh, transformed you and is now transforming others as you're 
called into the ministry, when we come back, Tim, I want to ask you about maybe a foundational idea, a verse of scripture perhaps upon which you stand, which has propelled you in the ministry. Stay with us. Tim, as you have uh, grown into manhood, uh, walking with Jesus, uh, laying to rest the anger you had at 
your dad and, and just the frustration you felt at your world unraveling when your parents divorced and so on, as you have now matured into a man who leads others into life, is there a passage in the scripture that you stand on that's especially powerful for you as it kind of defines you and frames you? Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to talk about 1 Corinthians 9.22, and I don't know if we should ever say we have a favorite scripture, but if we were to say that that's the one I meditate on a lot, it's what I um, do ministry from. It's a scripture that I memorized when I was a teenager. I was in, I was in the hip, I loved hip hop, was into all of that. When God transformed me, he began showing me how some of the things I was listening to shouldn't be things that I listened to. And there was Christian hip hop coming up during that time. And there was a group, they were called the Dynamic Twins, and they had a line that mentioned that scripture verse. And I thought, man, these guys are cool. I'm going to memorize this scripture verse. And it's 1 Corinthians 9.22. What does it say? To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak, I become all things to all men in order some might be saved. I memorized that, and I didn't memorize it because of the theology. I memorized it because these guys said it. That was the only reason why I memorized <laughs> and it. And it fit in the rhythm. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. This idea of finding something in common is about a thirst for understanding the perspective and the lens of the people who share this world with you so that you can win them to the knowledge of Christ, which is what Paul is saying. I, I'm not just in a useless exercise of understanding, I'm in an in a intentional relationship so that I can help bless and, and honor those around me and also introduce them to Christ. Is that fair? Yeah, I would, it's fair. The, the one word that I would, I'm not against it, but I, I don't, I'm not uh, big on that word, finding something in common, because then it becomes about them trying to become like me. I really want to be able to experience everything that they are and celebrate who they are. And if they celebrate what I'm about, that's when a true friendship starts. But if I'm going to act in, first, in, in, in a in mature Christian way, that's why Paul said he makes himself a slave. He makes himself a slave and makes him slave to their thinking and does not expect them to understand where he's coming from. If there was someone listening to us today who is struggling with their own sense of self because they have a, a multi-ethnic background, for instance, what would you say to them? It's something I've been exploring even now, um, even though I've been a Christian for a while and a pastor for almost 20 years, being a youth pastor and all that. And um, one thing I'm exploring right now in, in defining myself is I've learned that when I try to define myself, I get in a lot of trouble. I begin to compare myself to other people and seeing their accomplishments or even my failures might bring me down. And so what I've been learning to do is not defining who I am or I would tell somebody, don't worry about defining yourself. But if you can begin to go into the stream of defining yourself by whose you are, not who you are, but whose you are. Because when I begin to explore who I am in God, then I'm his child. And then I don't have to, I don't have to be as, as successful as a person to the left or right of me, but I just have to be who he's created me to be. And when I begin to define myself in his presence and in his knowledge of me, it becomes pretty freeing. Because there's a lot of people that would tell you you're worth nothing, that, that you've made these mistakes. But the whole time, God has sent us a second chance through grace in Jesus Christ so we don't have to live like that anymore. And God, God, isn't it amazing how, how we don't have to do anything to make God love us? I, that's awesome. He loves us. He loves us knowing everything there is to know about us, even the parts that aren't so pleasant. Right. And still he loves us completely. And so, Tim, as you're responding to this question about how do you manage identity, especially if your background is multicultural or multi-ethnic, focusing on 
on your relationship to the one who made you yes. is, is key. And to all of you who are listening today, whatever your background, whatever your journey, whatever your family of origin or maybe your history, we want you to know that the same God that reached into Tim's life and transformed his heart, set him free from anger, anger even that might have been well-placed but was eating him alive and costing him more than anyone else, the same God who reached into his life and gave him a sense of self so that he can embrace all of his multi-ethnic background and all of those wonderful, beautiful threads in the tapestry of his life, and he surrendered to God and has used him now to lead others into a whole place of life. That same God knows you too. And you can take a step towards him with us right now by praying with us. Praying to God, just take a deep breath and pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today for Tim's story. But more than that, for your love for us, which has transformed his life and that of so many others. We're thankful, Lord, that you know everyone who's listening to us today and who's joining us in this prayer, and they have the capacity to set us free from whatever it is that might hold us back, to give us clarity about our own worth and value, and can use us as an instrument to give life to others. We're thankful, Lord, that you're willing to receive us, that we might be yours, and so that we can answer the question, not who we are, but whose we are. And so we surrender our lives into your hands. We admit, Lord, that we're powerless by ourselves to make things work together for the good, but that you can. And in the name of Jesus, who has paid our dues, who has stood in our place because of our own failure, in this name of Jesus, your Son, we pray and thank you. Amen. Not to you, Lord, I give you the parade.
If you'd like to know more about how you can be in right relationship with God and discover your true self, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. We want to hear from you. You can also check us out online at CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply. Or at the last, send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or send a letter by post, please know we are waiting to hear from you. Tim Lusitana, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for your life story and sharing today. Thank you. I've had a blast. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we once more open a window to help you see your own life from Heaven's View. For all of us at the Viewpoint team and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.